The title of my message today is called Make Room at the Inn. Make Room at the Inn. Metaphorically speaking, we're all innkeepers, aren't we? Like, like God lives in our hearts, but we can make more room for him in our lives. We can make room. We have to make room for God in our hearts to move. Um, I actually have a, um, a modern day um, picture of what no room at the end looks like. So go ahead and put up that real quick. As you can see, here, there is no room at the end. And out. Okay. Boo. Okay. That's all right. You can boo. It's all right. By the way, this is your lot in life. If you come to this church, this is the kind of stuff you're going to get, whether you like it or not. But count the cost. All right. But... <clears throat> There is no room within. By the way, you know when you were growing up and, you know, when you, laid, you had your clothes all over the floor and your mom would yell at you, you know, like, were you born in a barn, right? You know, I wonder if Mary ever said that to Jesus. Jesus, were you born in a barn? And he would look at Mary and be like, you know, as good as well as I do, that I was born in a barn. So he didn't, she didn't have that on him, so... But for, them, for Jesus, the Bible says there's no room at the inn or there was no guest room available for them. I don't know what exactly the scenario looked like. But today I want to talk about how we can make room for Jesus in our hearts. We're all innkeepers, metaphorically speaking, okay? And I don't know about you, but if, if Jesus was coming over for the holidays, I wouldn't want to just, you know, put him in the garage, you know? I would want to make sure, because there's no room in the house, I want to make sure there's room for Jesus in my house, Right? And this is kind of like the, the world we live in, the lives we live. Many times, you know, Jesus lives in our hearts, but there's parts of the house that he's not, he doesn't have access to, he's not available to. And I just want to encourage you, we're coming up on a new year, 2019. I want to encourage you to make room in your lives, make room in your heart for Jesus. Okay? And so, um, again, 2019 is coming up. It's a really good time to make Goals. I, I like goals. Don't make too many of them. You know, three or so. Don't make too many goals. But if you make a few goals, you'll be able to keep them. So physical goals, financial goals, relational goals. But I would even say make some spiritual goals for next year. And I want to encourage you to put your relationship with God first in your life this next year. Make your relationship with God a priority. So I'll give you, th- I'll give you three things today on how we make room for our hearts, for Jesus in our hearts. Number one... <clears throat> How do we make room for Jesus in our hearts? Number one is make room for God's will. Every person, God has a will for every person, a plan, a purpose, and a destiny for every individual in the world. When you were, when you were born, God brought you into this world. He didn't just bring you without a plan. He actually brought you into this world with a plan. But listen, we would do well, you and I would do well, to partner with God's will for you and for me. I, I will say it this way. It's possible to to cooperate with God's will for you, and it's possible for you to fight against God's will for you. Um, I'll give you an example of this. The Apostle Paul had what I would consider to be an extreme conversion experience, right? It was pretty extreme. It was a pretty radical conversion experience, the Apostle Paul. He was, he was on the road to Damascus. He's on a donkey. A light shines. He you know, falls to the ground. A voice from heaven you know, calls out. Uh, he's blind for a few days after that event. Like it was, God was like coming after him, right? And I'm going to read this, this, this extreme conversion story. Acts 26, verse 14. This is before he was called Paul. Saul, Saul, why, just is what Jesus said to him. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Okay, if you don't know what goads is, goad is just basically a sharp prodding tool used to 
farmers, ranchers use it to, to prod stubborn farm animals, right? So ranchers would be really familiar with this. But there was a saying back in Jesus' day that, um, hey, don't kick against the goats, because sometimes the animal would actually kick, kick back at the one prodding it. And, and Jesus is saying, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against my will? I'm trying to prod you in a certain direction, and you keep fighting my will. You keep fighting the plan, purpose, and destiny I have for you. So his, his conversion experience actually culminated in this crazy event. But apparently Jesus had been prodding Paul and, and trying to tenderize and get Paul's heart for some time. The Bible actually says, um, so I want to ask you a question. Would you rather be led by the, the gentleness and the kindness of God, or would you rather have God, like, prodding you? I don't, he can do both, by the way. He's done both in my life before. The Bible says it is the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. Like, we have this revelation of the goodness of God. It's like, yes, he's good, and he draws us towards him, and that's amazing. There's also portions of Scripture in the New Testament where it says they were, like, converted by the terror of the Lord. You know, so one of them is the kindness of God drawing them. The other is the, the terror of the Lord. Same God trying to get people to follow his will, to repent, to follow him. Uh, let me read this verse. Psalm chapter 32, verse 9, it says, Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Okay? Don't resist God's will for your life. We want to make room for Jesus in our lives. We need to make room for his will. He has a will for you. Okay? Let me, give you, let me now give you an example of what it looks like to actually cooperate with God's will. This is from, this is from Mary when, when she was told that she would um, have a son. Luke 26, uh, I'm sorry, 126, it says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And his and she'll call him his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will know no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? She's never had a relationship with a man. And the angel answered and, and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay. God's like, Mary, here's, here's my will for you. I want you to, to bring forth you know, the Messiah into the world. And then the angel says to her, verse 37, for with God, nothing is impossible. And then watch Mary's response, verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, the maid servant of the Lord. Behold, I'm your servant. I'm here. Let it be, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from me. Okay, so Mary was a willing participant in God's will for, in, her, in her life. She said, I'm your maidservant. I'm your servant. Let it be done according to your word. And listen, I just want to say, I, I think there are probably some of us here, if we're going to partner with God's will for our life, I, I feel like there may be some of you here that God is actually doing a little bit of that prodding in your life. And you would do well to find out what God's will is for you and partner with it. This is how we can make room, just like Mary did. Mary cooperated with God's will for her life, and she literally became the first dwelling place for Jesus on this earth. Jesus, the, his first dwelling place actually wasn't in a manger. His first dwelling place was actually in a person who allowed God to work through her, okay? She was Jesus' first in in this world. So, so Mary cooperated with God's will for her life. Okay, this begs the question, of course, for you and for me, how do we know what God's will for our life is? Okay, uh, that's obviously a sermon for another time, but... Um, 
one way I'll say you can know God's will for your life is by knowing his word, by knowing the Bible. And so that leads me to point number two. How do we make room for Jesus in our hearts? Number two, make room for God's word. So make room for God's will in your life. And number two, make room for God's word. Okay, uh, we're gonna read chapter, uh, John chapter eight, verses 31 through 37. And you will see here in a second why making room for his words is so important in our lives. God, doesn't, God wants you to read the Bible. He wants you to hear his voice, but not just so you can have your do-gooder checklist. Like, he's not looking for do-good checklisters. You know what I mean? He's doing it. But you'll see why it's so important. He wants us to be free. He wants us to walk in victory and freedom. That's why he wants us to be in the word, okay? So John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. A lot of times people, I think a lot of people misquote this verse. They just say, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they're like, just come to Jesus. You'll know Jesus, the truth, and Jesus will set you free. There's some truth obviously to that, but the the word then is actually in the Greek there. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's What's that mean? He says, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. How many know that there's a difference between a convert and a disciple? A convert is anyone who just says, I want to place my faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins. And he does. He comes in and you're heaven bound. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a disciple. Disciple is one who is disciplined, one who is holding to the teachings of Jesus and following him. That person will know the truth and that truth will set them free. Okay, this is why you need the word of God in your life. This is why you need the Bible in your life because you need to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Because listen, I don't want to break, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news for you. I hope 2019 is a great year for you, but stuff is probably going to happen. <laughs> like things happen. I know people who've had a crazy year. 2019 was a crazy year. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Sorry. <laughs> You will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If you know how he's overcome the world, you can take heart, take courage, and go through those things with him, with the word of God, being an overcomer, amen? And I, there's so many Christians I know, they're like, you're a Christian, but they're not in the word. They're not people of the Bible. And I just want to encourage you to be a person of the Bible. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, verse um, John eight thirty three. 33. So they answered Jesus, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, have never been slaves to, of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? First of all, I don't know if you realize this. This is like one of the most ridiculous statements in the Bible. I don't know if these people didn't know their history, but Abraham's descendants have been slaves many times throughout history. Like there's Egypt, Babylon. They were currently under the dominion of Rome. Like not, not slaves per se, but like it's kind of a ridiculous statement. Okay, verse 34, Jesus, re- Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Again, how does the son set you free? Go back to verse 31. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We need truth, guys, in our lives. Like, truth is paramount in our lives. Like, this is how we... This is how we come against lies. This is how we come against deception, right? By knowing truth, and the truth will set us free. Watch this, verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Okay, they had no room for Jesus' words in their hearts. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you have room 
for Jesus' words in your hearts. Both, both this, of course, the Bible, but also just him speaking to you. There's the, the written word, the, the Greek word would be, would be the logos, or the, 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 the revealed word straight from heaven, the rhema. And the rhema and the logos work together, and I just want to encourage you to have both. And um, if you want to be free, how many want to be free? How many want to walk free? Guys, it stinks to be bound, doesn't it? I've been bound before. I've been a slave to sin before. It stinks. And even as a Christian, it's possible to be bound. It's possible to be tied up and hindered by these things. And Paul says, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles us and run the race with perseverance that God has set before us. There's a race that he set before you to run with perseverance. And sin and junk slows you down. But when you know the word, it sets you free. Amen? You know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, I don't know about you. I, I, try to read, I try to read the Word every day. I try to get in the Bible every day. Sometimes it's just a chapter or a half a chapter. Sometimes it's five chapters. And I don't know how you read the Bible or how you want to read the Bible. My encouragement to you is this year coming up, read the Bible. Read it every day. And, you know, some of you like the one-year Bible where you read so many scriptures. I personally don't like the one-year Bible. It feels like a checklist to me. But if that works for you, do the one-year Bible. But get into the Word of God and then create dialogue with the Lord. Read something and then ask him, hey, show me this truth. Reveal this truth to me. Like, there are answers in this book to all the things we're facing in this world. Like, how to government and taxes and sexuality and all those things. Like, the answers are here in this book, you guys. And we can know the truth. The truth will set us free, okay? So that's point number two. Make room for his word in your life. Point number three, how to make room for Jesus in our hearts. Point number three is make room for God's family. Make room for God's family. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 7, 2 through 4. Paul, in this portion of scripture, he's speaking to the church in Corinth as a leader. Paul was a leader of this family of, of, family of God, the family of Christ, okay? And I want you to notice when you read this, there's the kind of affection that Paul had for the people and the kind of affection and connection he was, he was wanting them to have for each other and for him as a leader, okay? So let's read this, 2 Corinthians 7, 2 through 4. He says this, make room for us in your hearts. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. There's some accusations that were coming against Paul, so he addresses these. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. I do not say this to condemn you. I say this, I have said this before, that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. I've spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged. In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Okay, Paul is talking about, this is the early church, the affection that they had for one another. He's saying as a leader, he said, hey, make room in your hearts for us, the leaders in your lives. Make room in your hearts for each other. And so here's what I want to say about this verse. Again, we're coming up on a new year. We're, we're celebrating Christmas, of course, the incarnation of Jesus. We want to remember all these things. But again, I'm, I'm not going to be able to preach to you before the beginning of next year, so I'm kind of throwing this in too. Make room. I want to encourage you as a, as a pastor of this church, make room in your heart for this, like for church, for meeting in small groups or city groups as we call them, or doing outreaches, coming together. Make room in your heart for leadership in your life, to speak in your life. Make room in your heart to, to lead and to serve and to be part of a family of believers. This is so important for us, okay? By the way, um, we talked about the outreach tomorrow. Um, there's, there's something I heard a few years back, but if you're, if you're struggling with like depression and stuff like that, they say one of the best things you can do if you're struggling with depression is go serve at a soup kitchen. Like just get outside of your head, get outside of your mind, go serve something, go do something outside of yourself. So 
We encourage you guys to come tomorrow. It's going to be great. But the Bible says in Galatians that we are to bear one another's burdens and to fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, we're supposed to make room for one another. It's not just supposed to be all about us and my schedule and my priorities and my this and my that. We're supposed to make each other a priority in our lives. Okay, so this is super important. As, so let's, uh, as we're moving forward to Christmas 2019, let's make room for each other. Okay? All right, let's put up those three points. We'll kind of recap, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up here. How do we make room for Jesus in our hearts? Number one, make room for God's will. Okay, he has a will, plan, purpose, and destiny for each of you. Find out what his will is. Get into his word. Find out what he's saying about you. Number two, make room for God's word. Get into the word of God. Number three, make room for God's family. Bear each other's burdens and make this a priority for next year. Amen? There's this really cool thing that happens when we make room. When we make room for God in our hearts, he actually makes room in his heart for us. When we put him first and we prioritize our relationship with God, he has a way of working things out in our lives. When we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things that we worry about, all these other cares that we have in life will be added to us. That's what the scripture says. And check this out. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. He said this to comfort his disciples. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am, okay? Jesus came to this world. Mary was the first hospitable inn, right? And then when he was born, it wasn't a very hospitable inn. He had to, you know, be laid in a manger, which if you think about it was, you know, a good, you know, she was improvising. Mary was improvising very well because a baby could easily roll out, but a, you know, a feeding trough essentially for animals would have kept a baby, you know, secure. But a not very uh, luxurious royal welcome, was it? It was not a royal welcome to this world. So it wasn't very hospitable. I think Jesus actually has empathy and understands that we in this world, we're, kind of, we're strangers and aliens in this world, but we have a home in heaven that he's preparing for us, right? When we make room in our lives for Jesus, he's actually making, literally making room for us right now in heaven. It says in the Bible that Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us. That's such an amazing consolation to us. All right, so love came in this world. Love is personified in the person of Jesus. When we make room for Jesus in our hearts, we make room for love in our lives. We make room for him, okay? So I'm gonna pray, and, uh, and then we'll sing Silent Night. It's gonna be great. So Father, I thank you for every person here, Lord Jesus. God, I, I pray, God, just coming in this year, Lord God, we would prioritize, Lord, our relationship with you, Lord God. We would, we would find um, your will for us, Lord God. God, we would, we would be people of the word, Lord God. We would, um, we would just put you first, Lord God. We put the family of God first in our lives, Lord God. And I just bless everyone here, and I pray, Lord God, for the day we have an amazing Christmas, Lord God, and remember what you've done and are doing, Lord, for us. And God, an amazing 2019, Lord God, that we'd be overcomers and, and victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we, um, before we transition, I just want to do one thing. We do this every service, and we haven't done it yet. I just want to speak to a, a specific group of people that maybe you're here, and you've never 
invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life. The message I just spoke works for both believers and non-believers. If you're a believer, you can make room for Jesus, right? If you're an unbeliever, of course, the first step in having a relationship with God is the, the first invitation. The first yes you say to God is the greatest yes you will ever say. And I just want to um, give an invitation to anyone here who's never invited Jesus in their heart, or you're here, and for whatever reason you've gone astray, and this Christmas season you want to renew and recommit that relation, um, dedication, you want to ded- rededicate your life to the Lord. Um, the Bible says that sin has separated us from God. And we get this idea, the world has this idea, if we can clean ourselves up, if we can try harder, if I can be a better person, maybe I can erase this guilty feeling I feel, maybe I could be restored to a right relationship with the Father. And I just want to say to you, if that's you, and you're trying to clean yourself up, try harder to be good for God, you can just, I give you permission to just stop. Yes, I'm a pastor, and I just told you to stop trying to be good, okay? Because it can never be fixed that way. The problem of sin and separation between you and God cannot be fixed by your, your good deeds, your good merits. You're trying to clean yourself up to be a better person, right? And listen, Father God was not content to leave us separated from Him. Our sin has separated us from God, but God wasn't content to leave us eternally separated from Him. And this is why He sent Jesus to this earth. Jesus came and He died on the cross. He paid the penalty for your sin, for my sin, and the sins of the entire world. And when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, He gives us, here this the gift that we can never earn, the gift we can never deserve. It is the gift of salvation. It's the gift of a restored relationship with God. If that makes sense to you this morning, you've never invited Christ in your life, or you had, but for whatever reason you've gone astray, and you want to you renew that commitment to him today or invite him to your life for the first time, I want to pray for you. And I'm not going to bring anyone up front, but I do this morning, I do want to know who I'm praying for. So um, if you're here, would you just do something bold for me and just say, yeah, this morning, December 23rd, I want to place my faith and trust in Jesus. Would you just, just say yes by just stretching up your hand right where you're at? I'm looking for your hands, and I'm looking for it right now. How many of you say, yeah, that's me. I need to invite God in. I need to invite Jesus in. Awesome. Yes, thank you. Praise God. How many more would say that's me? Can't really see the balcony because the lights are shining, but I know you're up there. Okay, you can put those hands down. I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's a simple prayer. And it's not in the eloquence of this prayer that makes you right with God. It's just the cry of the heart that God sees. So everyone, would you repeat this prayer after me? And those of you praying this prayer for the first time, mean this with all of your heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Today, I place my faith and trust in you. I give you my life. I give you my past, my present, my future. Come into my heart and wash away my sin. Be my Lord, be my God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, guys. Listen, following the service, if you made that decision um, to place your faith in Jesus, I just want to encourage you to come up front afterwards and get some prayer for, from our prayer counselors. Um, we just want to know you made that decision today. And we have a Bible we want to give you and just celebrate this decision with you. Before we do that, we're going to um, just do one more thing, remembering the Lord, and we're going to light this, this, this last candle. This is the Jesus candle. Jesus is the light of the world. We're remembering the light of the world during Christmas. I'm going to go ahead and have the, uh, if 
you're an usher, go ahead and come on up. just how we are city lights church isn't this just how the light spreads i just this is such a great prophetic picture of what god wants to do in our lives and in our city and so as we just reveal the plan purpose and destiny of each individual that that light of christ would be spread so lord we just come before you we thank you for this christmas season lord as the light of the world god illuminate our hearts with god let us make room for you in our hearts with god let us make room for the city in our hearts, Lord God, that we would change and transform and uh, renew this city, Lord God. God, I pray you would save every family member this year, Lord God, and we just bless everyone here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 